0: Yeah, 12.04 and uh, we're ready to uh, to rock it here. A couple of different ways to contact Savannah today. There's also the email help at the and as always 416-216-5910. We'll get into the show right away and as we start uh, every week, my friend, with the week that was.
1: Well, hi, John. Uh, uh, Hello to you and hello to our listeners. Uh, Let's talk about one uh, case that uh, we spoke about a few times already, actually. This is a gentleman uh, that had been listening to the show several times and uh, eventually contacted me. He was represented by another law firm in Hamilton. He suffered a uh, significant slip and fall accident back in November 2013, broke his hip, uh, shattered his femur, had wow. to undergo surgery, has a rod in there. Uh, this gentleman is in his 60s, early 60s, and he was working as a tow truck driver. He couldn't work. And for God knows what reason, uh, his, uh, the law firm that was representing him uh, simply did not start a claim for about a year or so which is crazy, and for uh, everyone who's listening, who's been listening to me for a while, I I always say this. when, When someone suffers a personal injury and we know who's at fault for the accident... You don't wait when someone is in, desperate, you know, in, in a desperate situation. Yep. If, if they need money to, to bring in, to pay a mortgage, to, to pay for food, you, know, you simply can't wait. You have to start these kinds of claims very early on to make sure that they go through the system as quickly as possible. Well, in this case, uh, what's happened recently since we took over the case is we learned that despite the fact that his injury was called from a slip, slip and fall yep. accident... Uh, the, the law firm, for whatever reason, had initiated the claim with his own auto insurance company. So his car insurance company had been paying benefits for whatever reason to, to him, uh, income replacement benefits and a whole variety of benefits. I think uh, they amounted to a close to $30,000. And again, I have no idea why, because it was a slip and fall. I mean, I understand the technical argument and, and I understand why they did it. But here, here's what's happened. The insurance company recently wrote to him and said to him, uh, to, to my client now, Uh, We are going to stop paying you those benefits, but guess what? Pursuant to section so-and-so of the Insurance Act, we are going to ask for a repayment of all those benefits that we had paid you. What? And, John, believe it or not, the Insurance Act does have a provision uh, that allows an insurance company to come back and say, you know, we made an error. It was a clerical error or whatever it was, and we are going to claim those benefits back. We're going to ask you to repay them. It doesn't matter if it was a dollar, $10,000, $100,000. And of course, you know, my client is it. freaking out. Exactly. He can't do it. I mean, he, he as it is, the family's struggling. Uh, and so we had been going back and forth with the insurance company and we had tried to make technical arguments and we had tried to, you know, really put our foot down and say, listen, if you are going to go after him, then, you know, what do they say, John? The, the, the best defense is a good offense. Mm-hmm. We're simply going to go after you, arguing that because you had paid all those benefits until now. Not only have you forgotten that right of repayment, but we're going to go after you for more benefits. Anyways, the long and short of it is that just this week we got uh, word that the insurance company has said, you know, uh, we're not going to be seeking repayment. Cut their losses. We're going to cut cut our losses. But what's the lesson here? The lesson is this. There are a lot of very good lawyers out there. There uh, There are obviously a lot of lawyers out there who are not that good. And so if you have a personal injury lawyer, you have to make sure that... Uh, you know, you choose your lawyer uh, in the right way. You make sure that you do your research. You make sure that you go to someone, to a law firm that's reputable, uh, th- that is known in the industry. And for a lot of people, of course, they're going to say, well, how do we know? Mm-hmm. We're seeing all those billboard ads, those yep. radio ads. Well, you know, you do your research. What can I tell you? you know, give me a call and I'll tell you who, you know, if you have a, if you have a, if you have a lawyer, I, I can certainly tell you, uh, you know, if your claim is progressing uh, properly or not. Uh, at the end of the day, these kinds of claims are not difficult to resolve. They do take a little bit of time uh, because we have to make sure things are done correctly and they're done correctly from the beginning, uh, unlike in this case where that basically derails the claim, that the actual claim that we're not going to start against the parties who are really at fault for the accident.
0: 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. if you have any questions. Since we're uh, kind of uh, talking about stuff on the road, let me ask you uh, this question. This is something that people automatically assume they know the answer to. And uh, technically, if someone is uh, they're about to make a left-hand turn on an intersection, right, yellow light, crash with an oncoming car coming through, who's at fault? Automatically, everybody says turning left. The guy of turning left, it's automatically at fault.
1: Automatically, we think that. And, okay. and, you know, a few shows back, I mentioned that there is actually a law out there, legislation, that if you were to go to Google and you type in Ontario Fault Determination Rules okay, Ontario Fault Determination Rules, you click on the link that comes up, that's actually legislation that we have in Ontario that insurance companies look at to determine who's at fault. It actually has charts. It has diagrams that show you a variety of scenarios. Now, here's the thing to understand. Insurance companies may look at those diagrams and say, well, here's a scenario, and here's the person who's at fault for the purposes of figuring out who's going to be paying for the various claims. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's, you know, if there's a claim for injuries, that that's how it's going to play out. What do I mean by that? Well, I can have someone, for example, that I'm representing who was making that left-hand turn uh, and, and the person, you know, coming from the uh, opposite direction and, and they've collided and maybe maybe my uh, client was even charged by the, uh, the police for making an improper left-hand turn. But guess what? Maybe there are three witnesses out there, independent witnesses, who say that, uh, you know, I, my guy had a yellow light. And, and, you know, the, the other car should not have gone through because for them it was, at the time of impact, a red light. So maybe right. there's an argument here that it's not really 100% my uh, guys. It's not cutting dry, right? It's not cut and dry. Yeah. It could be a 50-50. It could be yeah. 75-25. So we have to look at all the facts. And every, every scenario out there, uh, you know, you have to examine its own facts. Even in rear-end collisions, John, believe it or not, you know, I keep telling people when someone is tailgating you, And I think this week I had about five people, five different instances, tailgating me on the highway as I'm coming to the office. And, of course, you know, the instinct that you have because you get really angry is to just slam the brakes. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because even, first of all, if there's a crash, people can get injured. You can get injured. People in your car can get injured. The other guys, uh, whoever was in the other car was getting, you know, could get injured but from a, from a purely legal standpoint yes the other person behind you will be found probably liable for your injuries but guess what there's going to be a reduction here because you slammed the brakes you were part of the cause of the accident okay. Whether or not you want that to be the case or not, it's irrelevant. If this goes before a judge or a jury, I'm guaranteeing you right now if the evidence comes out that you slammed your brakes, you're going to be held partially at fault.
0: Take a quick break. 416-870-6400-640 on cell. Especially if you have questions in that regard about things on the road, accidents and claims, give us a call and Savan will answer them. Again, uh, help at insurancelawyer.ca and 416-216-5910 is Savan's number. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up right here. Talk Radio AM 640. Yeah, feel free to drop us a if you have concerns, maybe you're an offender member this uh, this week. You don't know whether you're going to start a claim or if there's injuries. Maybe your neck's a little sore. Maybe you like, I haven't gone to a doctor yet, which can be pretty, uh, pretty common. Uh, let me talk, uh, ask you this. And uh, when someone is injured in a car accident, uh, what can they claim other than obviously damage on the car? Right?
1: Well, a lot depends on what it is that uh, you know, that they're coming to me for. If, if someone is calling me up and says, you know, I was in a car accident, no one is injured. What can I do? The first thing I say: Well, if no one is injured, then uh, you know, if your car needs to be repaired, the insurance company, your insurance company, has an obligation to repair it. If it's a write-off, obviously, you'll negotiate a settlement. But if there are injuries, then the question then becomes: What kind of injuries are we talking about? Are we talking about back pain, neck pain? Are we talking about a break of some sort, a fracture? Yeah. Uh, you know, are we talking about uh, your inability to go back to work? Uh, do you need medical rehabilitation benefits? So the type of claims that you can make really vary depending on what happened through the car accident. Uh, So so typically the people who call me up are people who are uh, you know, there's been an accident either very recently or a few months ago. And and generally speaking, believe it or not, John, it's, it's not even the people who've been injured who call me. It's the spouses of those people or family members, other family members of those people who are just concerned uh, because either nothing is happening with the insurance company, no benefits are being paid. Uh, they have no idea what's going on with their case. Uh, if, if it's being handled by a paralegal or a lawyer, there's no communication. So in terms of benefits, generally speaking, Obviously, you're entitled to get income replacement benefits if you can't work. If you have a work history, you've been earning income, and now because of the accident, you can't work. We talked about that. Uh, Medical rehabilitation benefits, being able to go and get physiotherapy, chiropractic, uh, massage, those kinds of things. Again, your insurance company is going to pay for that. Maybe you have health benefits through work. Those are going to get accessed first. First, First, absolutely. But again, if there's a shortfall, your own auto insurer is going to cover the rest. Mm -hmm. And again, how much? That depends. Are we talking about a soft tissue type injury, a whiplash, uh, you know, back pain, neck pain, uh, headaches, dizziness, or are we talking about something more severe? And by severe, I mean not, not that uh, it, it disables you in, in a worse way, but are we talking about something like a tear, a shoulder tear, uh, a, a rib fracture? So in terms of benefits, you can claim a whole gamut of benefits from your auto-insurer. In terms of what you can claim against whoever was at fault for the accident, that also depends. It depends on the severity of your injuries. If your injuries are fairly serious, and again, serious doesn't mean that you broke something. Right. I, I have quite a few cases where you know a person has been injured uh, and we're talking about the whiplash type injuries and we're talking about someone who uh, didn't break anything, but they have difficulty standing for more than 10 minutes. They have chronic pain now as a result of the accident and they can't work or they can only work uh, a portion of the hours they were able to work before. Those are significant injuries, and and, and those are claimable as against the insurance company of whoever was at fault for the accident. And it's really important to start those kinds of claims uh, sooner rather than later, especially when you're seeing that the person has difficulty working. So there's a whole gamut of benefits, and it's very, very important for people who are injured or if you're listening and you have a spouse or a child or someone in the family or a friend that's been injured – and nothing is happening with their claim and they're very frustrated, very important to figure out what's going on. Because it's very easy for other lawyers and for insurance companies to shelve the case. Yeah. They're dealing with hundreds of, you know, and thousands of other cases. Well, you know, these, uh, y- your friends or your family member's case is just as important. It has to be given the attention that it needs now.
0: 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You want to give Savannah a call, asking some questions. So talk a bit about the, uh, the correlation. Say someone is off on, uh, they've had an accident, they're claiming benefits, possibly they're claiming they can't work, they're at home. Give me the correlation between that and worrying about uh, Facebook and other social media.
1: Very, very important question. Uh, and it's important, uh, and it's getting more and more important as insurance companies and insurance defense lawyers become more sophisticated in how they investigate claims. Uh, You know, all of us are on social media in one form or another, whether it's Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever it is. Well, insurance companies, adjusters, defense lawyers, they're going to go to those sites. They're going to Google you uh, if you've made a claim. They're going to do some investigation. They're going to try and figure out if they can find anything uh, that shows that what you have submitted, the injuries that you're claiming, if they make sense. I mean, look, John, if you're saying that you can't go back to work and, and you have an office job... Uh, and, and, you know, you're saying you can't do absolutely anything, you're bedridden, and here they go and they Google you, and, and I don't know, somehow they see that you went to a party or you went skiing last weekend. <laughs> not good. And just imagine, yeah, and, and, you know, the stories that I hear from people, I mean, I had lunch with, uh, with a couple of friends, very good friends, uh, who are defense lawyers uh, just the other day, and they were telling me about some of the cases that uh, that they have going on, and, and one of them, uh, one of my friends told me about uh, this case. I'm not going to give too much detail except to say that, Just the information that they were able to get through Facebook completely destroyed that claimant's case. eh? Exactly. So no one is no one is saying that you shouldn't use the social media. Just use it responsibly. Understand that. You know, if you're making a claim for something, obviously you should be truthful in what you're claiming. But just understand that a lot has to do with perception here. Yes. And, and yes, when we go on Facebook, oftentimes what we post are positive things. You know, things that are happening that are that are, make us look, you know, look good and, and make us feel great. But you know, I understand that if the public at large has access to that, it means insurance companies have access to those uh, uh, sites. And if they have access to those sites and they can find something, something that They'll they can it. pin yeah, that they can pin their argument that you're not that injured you're going to have a problem.
0: We'll take a short break. 416-870-6400-640 on cell or help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca. You want to send Savannah an email. His number all the time outside of show hours, 416-216-5910 as well. Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM 640. 416 870 640 on cell or help at insurancelawyer.ca. insurancelawyer.ca I want to bounce over to one of those emails uh, right now, Savannah. Uh, I get to one here from Jeremy in Toronto says I had an accident on my fault on June 4th of 2014 took two months off work to recover 41 years old and work as a contractor I'm having a lot of problems bending and picking up heavy equipment and my doctor says I should take more time off to recover but I need to work to bring in money my wife is at home with our uh, two young kids I don't know what I should do can I make a claim with my insurance.
1: Wow. Um, Sounds like a fairly serious uh, accident. I mean, 41 years old, uh, and now we know it's not his uh, fault. The accident was not his fault. Uh, Obviously, we'd have to investigate that. Uh, you know, to figure out exactly what happened. Uh, he was off work for a couple of months. Yes, he has a claim, absolutely, 100%. First of all, he has a claim with his own auto insurance company. He should be getting uh, uh, money for those two months, except for the first week. Okay, the first week after an accident, you're not entitled to income replacement benefits. Right. But after that first week, you're entitled to start receiving those. And, uh, you know, you should be getting them up to $400 a week. There's a formula, we spoke about that, they look at, uh, y- you know, your income for the last X amount of weeks, and they Take seventy percent of that, and that's how they figure out how much you should be getting. Okay, but you're, you're entitled to get up to four hundred dollars a week, sixteen hundred bucks a month, generally. Uh, now he's going to be entitled also to um, to medical rehabilitation uh, benefits. Uh, you know to make sure that uh, you know he, he gets back on track. So chiropractic, massage, all that kind of stuff. Now, my concern is this, that he wrote that his doctor says he should take some more time off to recover. Yeah. And, and I see this a lot with people who say, you know, I have to go against medical advice here. Uh, what do I do? And, and that's, it's a conundrum. Because on the one hand, if you go back to work, first of all, you're going to make your, your situation worse, your physical situation worse, presumably, um, because you're aggravating your injuries. But on the other hand, you can't afford to stay home. So what do you do? And what I tell people is, this is a decision you have to make with your doctor. I can't tell you what to do. What I can tell you is that if I'm in that situation and I have to go to work, I'm going to go to work. Because at the end of the day, despite my concern about my own health, I have to make sure that you know, my my family's fed, that I'm able to pay the mortgage. The problem is what happens down the road where because I'm aggravating my injuries, because I'm working, I can't work. Well, again, that's why it's so important to start these kinds of claims immediately. Now, he says that the accident happened uh, in June, I think he said, right, John? June 4th. June 4th, okay. Uh, So, half a year has passed, over half a year. I really hope that he has a lawyer. If he doesn't, give me a call right now uh, because we have to start a claim immediately against whoever was at fault for the accident. And, and, you know, very, very important to make sure that uh, everything is documented by the doctor, all the injuries. Very important to make sure that the employer is aware of the accident, uh, that the employer is accommodating you. Uh, I see a lot of situations where employers, for whatever even uh, uh, reason, tell people who are injured, don't come back until you're 100% okay. Uh, you know, there, there are issues with that kind of an approach. And, and John, as you know, we, we do a lot of employment law in our firm as well. So we, we oftentimes have people who are injured and have difficulties at work, and we're able to take mm-hmm. care of both problems at the same time. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, for, for this individual who just wrote this email, very serious claim. Give us a call. Uh, uh, first thing, uh, Monday morning, we'll give you a call and, and we will deal with your claim.
0: Jeremy, if you need that number, 416-216-5910. You want to call us here on the show right up until 1 o'clock. It's 416-870-6400. What if, uh, you're kind of leading into that, uh, that question, what if Jeremy did go back to work because he had to make a living, feed his family, two, three months down the road now, like you said, his injuries are worse he's aggravated now he really can't go to work and he tries to claim and the insurance company wouldn't they turn around and say well you were working for two months you i guess you were fine then what's wrong with you now how how are you going to make a claim does not affect your claim if you do it later
1: yes it can affect the claim absolutely but again it comes down to you know what do you take what do you take care of first you take care of your family Mm -hmm. you know do you do you you listen to the doctor do you listen to your body Uh, you know At the end of the day, I'm less concerned with what the insurance company is going to say or do because we can deal with the insurance company. Uh, And, and, you know, for the most part, John, adjusters who are adjusting these kinds of claims uh, for the insurance companies, they understand very well that people are in a predicament. And even though they may toe the party line and say, why did you go back to work or the fact that you went back to work means that you are better or not as injured... That is nonsense. If anything, when I argue against the insurance company, on that point, I say, well, wait a second. That actually shows that my client is credible. It shows that my client did not simply stay at home, watch TV, or they do absolutely nothing, blaming everything on the accident. No, my client, and I have a lot of those, by the way, John, people who have tried to go back to work several times and have failed repeatedly because of their injuries, so for the insurance company to take the position that because you tried to mitigate your damages, that's the, that's the legal word, mitigate, mm-hmm. you've tried to lessen your damages by trying to not lose income, by trying to go back to work, in my mind, in my view, and I think any judge would agree, that builds up my client's case. That, that shows that my client has tried everything they can in their power to go back to work, which means that my client's claim is stronger which means that I can recover cool. the compensation that they are entitled to. Is
0: it difficult to make a claim for benefits in a car
1: No, it's not difficult at all. Absolutely not. Uh, and again, we have to distinguish between the two type of claims, the claim that we're making against our own client's insurance company and the claim against the at fault driver. Right. These claims are not difficult. And, and you know... Many times people come to me, they come to me after they've done a little bit of their own research. They've Googled benefits, car accidents. They're getting a ton of information. They don't know how to sort through the maze. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've spoken to a few lawyers, uh, and the lawyers have explained parts and pieces of how the law works. It's not difficult. I've said this many times. It's it's technical, but it's not difficult. So, you know, if you were to give us a call and and we were to look at your case, we'd be able to tell you within minutes— What benefits are you entitled to, uh, uh, what the potential success rate is of your kind of of claim, and then you can make a decision. And, you know,
0: it's an informed decision, which is much better, obviously, than making a decision in the absence of this information. And barring a phone call uh, right after the show, you can also go to myaccidentquestions.com, right? A lot of stuff uh, that you're willing to ask has probably already been asked, and you can uh, surf through all the questions and answers uh, that are out there already. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And Savan directly is 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up on Talk Radio AM 640. 1232, you want to slide a quick email over to Savan, you can as well. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. In fact, we'll get one from, uh, we'll go to Amanda in Richmond Hill, says my mother slipped on a messy floor in a store in November. She's 72 years old and broke her hip. She had hip replacements and was hospitalized for a very long time. Now she needs a lot of help at home. What can she do, and is the store responsible? Well, if the floor was messy, yes, the store is responsible. Stores, plazas,
1: uh, really anyone out there who has a a property that people uh, from the outside can come in and visit is responsible to make sure that they take reasonable care uh, of the property. Reasonable. Eh, reasonable. That's okay. the word. It's reasonable, right? So it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be reasonable. And stores usually are high-trafficked areas, uh, especially depending on the times. We don't know exactly when she fell in November. We don't know if it was a Friday, a Saturday. But but I can tell you that if the floor was messy, most likely there's going to be liability or fault on the store, which means the store's insurance company is going to be involved here. And, and there likely already are. Uh, because the insurance company, insurance companies for stores and plazas and those kinds of places usually get informed of these kinds of incidents immediately after the incident takes place so that the insurance companies can start their investigation internally. Okay. And most people are unaware of that. Uh, but that's what happens. And, and it's a good thing that happens because then they can capture all the information that they need uh, and, and, and collect the documents they need. So in this case for Amanda, uh, her, her mother uh, who broke her hip, that's a very serious injury. Uh, I don't have to tell that to you, uh, you know, yeah. to, 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 to tell you that. But it, it, the reason I say it's, in, it's it's serious is not only because of the injury itself, but because she's seventy two years old, mm-hmm. and she she was hospitalized for 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 a long time. It probably means that. Uh, there were issues with whatever treatment she was getting. I mean, I've I've had cases where uh, I've had clients who had hip fractures and then there were infections. They had to have surgery again, uh, have everything open up. So it's very, very important in these kinds of situations to, again, start a claim or the dialogue with the store's insurance company early on Her mother is probably going to have to be placed in a home. She's probably going to need help down the road. If she's at home, her own home, if she returns back, she'll need help with housekeeping. She'll need help with uh, uh, a variety of things, buying food, being transported. Now, I have no idea how independent her mother was Mm -hmm. before the incident, but oftentimes with hip fractures, now you have these people who are are after this kind of an injury and, and after a long rehabilitation process using a cane or using a walker. Bars in the bathroom and getting Bar, out of the shower. Exactly. You have like to that. have modifications. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times they're now in wheelchairs. So it's very important to to figure out who's going to be paying for all that. I mean, OHIP is going to be providing some services, uh, but, but they're not going to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that brings me to another point. In non-car accident cases, okay. so like if you have a sl- like this one, like you have a slip and fall, when you get medical treatments, and in this case, we're dealing with someone who had significant medical treatment, right? She was hospitalized for a long time. Uh, OHIP, when OHIP, when they are told and they have to be told if a claim is started or even if there is a dialogue for a claim to start with with an insurance company for an injury, mm-hmm. OHIP uh, will tell you that they would like you or your lawyer to adv- to advance a claim on their behalf. So in other words, you went to the hospital, they treated you, OHIP had to pay the hospital, the doctors, uh, everyone else that was involved – OHIP incurred those They want to claim costs. it back. They want to claim it back. Wow. And the problem is that, you know, when people try and resolve these claims by themselves, uh, oftentimes, first of all, they don't get compensated as they should for the full gamut of, of, uh, of compensation that they're entitled to. But in addition to that, if you settle a case like this, whether it's you by yourself on behalf of a family member or your lawyer does that and does not involve OHIP, OHIP can come back and make a claim against you for the money that you really? ought to have advanced for them. Exactly. Now, they have an office in Kingston. This is called uh, – it's called the OHIP Subrogated Office, and, uh, you know, they, there's adjusters there that work for OHIP, and that's all they do. They, do, they, they deal with lawyers and paralegals and, and individuals who are trying to resolve these kinds of claims, non-car accident claims in Ontario. So very, very important for Amanda to give us a call, uh, and, you know, we, we can walk her through this entire uh, process, tell her exactly what her mother uh, should, be, should be claiming, uh, what, what the likely result is. Again, not a complicated process. Uh, and it's not going to take a long time to resolve either, believe it or not. And of course, for people who are elderly mm-hmm. uh, or, or older, time is, is of the essence. So that's very, very important for them. That's why I say don't wait on these kinds of claims Let's make sure we get compensation for you uh, um, as, as soon as possible.
0: Can she get retroactive benefits because she should have started something three six months ago while she was in hospital getting her hip replaced?
1: Well, she probably she probably incurred a, a variety of expenses. Right. Yep. These are called out of pocket expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, her daughter as well. If her daughter is helping her, other family members are helping her at Caregiver. home. Caregivers. Yeah. All these kinds of things should be documented. I usually tell my clients to put them in an Excel sheet or a Word sheet. Make sure you document how much you've helped the person. If you have receipts. If you've gone to doctors for medical appointments, you have parking receipts. No kidding. Keep absolutely keep everything that's related to your treatments, to house, anything that's an expense because of this injury, and we'll make sure that we tabulate it. We make sure that we then advance it as its own claim in addition to everything else, so the pain and suffering claim to everything else. And by the way, John, just for listeners out there, uh, a hip fracture Mm -hmm. uh, is usually assessed by by a court. Uh, for pain and suffering purposes and being uh, valued at around 90000 to $120,000 for the pain and suffering for the hip fracture. Now, of course, you know, we have exceptions. Sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower. But generally speaking, it's about 90000 to 120000 for the pain and suffering alone. But what happens, John, if that person is now going to need uh, round-the-clock care, care or care yeah, yeah. four hours a day or whatever that is, very important to make sure we get the right experts on the case to make sure that they give us uh, an assessment and a full detailed report of what this person will need going forward and then giving that to an accountant to crunch the numbers. So a claim like that that could potentially be valued at $100,000 for pain and suffering, yeah. and some lawyers, by the way, will try and resolve a claim like this for hundred grand. A claim like this could easily be valued at half a million dollars, oh, maybe even on. more. Absolutely, because you have to account for all the... the uh, Peripheral stuff. All the peripherals, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you have a family member who now is unable to to work because they have to take care of their mother, again, very, very important to go through the the full analysis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something that people should be aware of, that injuries in and on themselves, yes, there is a value to the pain and suffering, but there's a lot of peripheral type of, of damages that we have to account for. 416-870-6400,
0: star 640 on sale. you want to give us a call or email is help at ca And Savannah's number anytime, 416-216-5910, outside of show hours. The Insurance and Injury Law Show continues on Talk Radio AM 640. 1242, still got some time to throw us a question or an email as well, help at ca And just throw it right across your bow. Do you need a lawyer if you've been injured? You know, the short answer is yes. And the reason I say that is
1: because uh, oftentimes when I see someone who doesn't have a lawyer and they've been injured and they come to me after they've been completely overwhelmed with the paperwork and the response they've received from the insurance companies, asking them for various things, they, you know, it, it's, it's, like, it's like most other things, you know, I mean, if you know how to change the oil in your car, then do it, you know, but if you have to have your engine rebuilt, unless you're a mechanic, don't, don't even go there. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Uh, again, the law, the law is not what it used to be a hundred years ago, just like medicine is not what it used to be a hundred years ago. It's very specialized. Uh, that's all we do with the firm. We do personal injury and insurance and employment law. Those are the areas. So all our lawyers, our entire team uh, is really trained and educated to do that. And can you know, can. Can you deal with your with your claim by yourself with the insurance company? Can you do it on behalf of a friend? Yes, you can, but you're probably going to end up with a resolution uh, that reflects something like ten cents on the dollar of what the person who's injured was supposed to get. Oof. And you know, oftentimes, and we spoke about that before as well. If you're dealing with the adjuster directly and you're giving a statement, for example, a lot of times without a lawyer, it's all language. Lo- it's all language. Yeah. You may actually even foreclose your ability to make. Uh, Uh, you know, to make a claim for compensation because you said something and you signed a statement uh, that really um, forecloses your ability to argue that they're negligent. So again, very, very important. I would say, listen, if you're injured at the very least, get the information. Call just to get your options. Call just to get an analysis. I mean, it doesn't cost anything. We're not charging you for talking to you, uh, you know, and we spoke about that before. Even when you take on your claim, you're not paying anything up front. I mean, we're in the same boat as you. These kinds of claims resolve uh, in, in, in a way that there is some kind of a settlement at the end. And, you know, we get a percentage. It's that simple. I mean, if we don't recover for you, then we simply don't you get, get anything. We get nothing. Yeah. So we have to assess, you know, to assess the case, you know, very, very carefully as well. We have to make sure that, we, you know, we are looking at all the angles. And 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 that's how it's done. And, you know, for somebody to say, I'm going to do it by myself, sure, go ahead. Uh, but, you know, it's at your own peril.
0: So how does, one, um, how does one who's injured choose a lawyer, and what are the signs of a good one? Okay. Other than you, of
1: course. You know. Well, you know, like I said before, a lot of good lawyers out there uh, and, and a lot of lawyers that probably should not be practicing. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to a lawyer... Make sure you do your research. Make sure that you go to someone who specializes in this area. Uh, Don't go to someone who says, I do personal injury, and I do immigration law, and I do family law. You can't. It's impossible. Exactly. I mean, would you go to a surgeon who says that they do absolutely every other type of medicine? No. You're going to a surgeon who does surgery. If I need, you know, a knee replaced, I'd like to get someone who doesn't only do surgeries, but specializes in knees. Okay? says subspecialty. Uh, So, you got to make sure you go to someone who... Uh, after doing your research, you, you're comfortable that that's what they do. Uh, now, when you meet with that person, that person, that lawyer should be explaining the process to you. OK, that person should be telling you, uh, first of all, asking you a whole bunch of questions, uh, uh, making sure that that they're listening to your answers. OK, not just uh, uh, asking you for the sake of asking you. And and after they ask you uh, the questions, they have to go through the process with you. They have to tell you the weaknesses and the strengths of your potential case. They have to be able to answer all your questions to your satisfaction. If it seems to you like the lawyer is being uninterested, uh, if frustrated, with, frustrated you. with you, uh, speaks to you in a demeaning way, condescending way, anything like that, that's a huge no-no. And oftentimes, unfortunately, I hear of of people when they come to me and they complain, you know, I got this lawyer a month ago, six months ago, a year ago. I can, I can never get a hold of him or her. Uh, no one returns my calls or if they return my calls or my emails, it's only after I've left about a hundred of them. And when I get a hold of someone, they're usually very rude to me. They're not really helping. I have no idea what they're doing uh, with my case because I'm not getting any benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, when I hear these kinds of stories, it, it irritates the hell out of me because there is no reason for that. If someone emails me, if I'm not in a meeting, if if I'm if I have my my phone with me or if I'm on the computer, you'll get an email back probably within a second. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying this is how every lawyer should be. I'm just saying that our mentality is very different. Responsiveness is key. Making sure that the client is always aware of where their case is at. Making sure that uh, you know we're able to communicate clearly to them. N- not in. in legal lingo, mm-hmm. which which irks me as well. Just like if you go to a doctor, you want to make sure that you understand what it is that they're going to do to you or give you. You don't, you know, you, you don't want to hear... Uh,
0: Complex medical
1: jargon. No, you don't. It's unhelpful. It's yeah. unhelpful. So so th- those are sort of the, the things that we tell people. Make sure that you go to someone that practices in this area of law, someone who is responsive to you, someone who seems like they know what they're doing. And, you know, at the first sign of, of a problem or a concern that you have that's not being addressed, that's a red flag. You got to make sure that, uh, you know, even after you sign that dotted line that says that they're your lawyers, that they actually work on your case, that they start your claim when they say that they're going to start your claim.
0: Can you bail easily if you find out you got a really... You
1: can up. bail. Whether it's easily or not, that depends. Okay. And, and oftentimes people come to me and they ask me, uh, you know, can we switch to you? I, I go through an analysis here. The question is, at what point is, is is your claim at? I mean, how much work has that other lawyer done? Right. You know, John. a lot of times people come to me, uh, they're so far into the claim that it's just not worthwhile. You know, I mean, you're switching horses mid-race. You're almost at the finish line. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you're not going to come in first. But I can <laughs> tell you that switching to me is just going to derail the entire process or prolong it. I'm going to look out in your best interest, and I'm going to tell you, don't switch to me if that's the case. But oftentimes when your claim hasn't even started, so for example, in a car accident claim, yeah. you may be getting benefits from your insurance company, but for whatever reason, the lawyer hasn't started your claim in a year against whoever was at fault. Good time to move on. In that case, absolutely, yeah. I can help you 100%. But again, if I, know the lo- if, if I know that the lawyer who's helping you has a good reputation, and, and this personal injury bar, it's actually quite small. I know, yes, Toronto is a huge city. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a big market. But, you know, the lawyers that practice in this area know each other. And if I think that lawyer or law, that law firm is good, I'm not going to tell you to switch. I'm going to tell you, listen, stick with them. Maybe I'll even give that person a call. And I've done that before. You know, the lawyer saying, listen, you know, this person came to me. There are concerns. Please work with you them. You i to
0: kick in the ass to get moving.
1: Absolutely. Right? I'm, okay. not, I'm not telling anyone to switch, whether it's to me or anyone else. But you got to make sure that your claim is, is worked on.
0: 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You want to give us a call in the last uh, few minutes of the show or help at insurance lawyer.ca. Just got some more emails. I'll get to one of those after the break as well. 416-216-5910 is Savan's direct number, the Insurance and Injury Law Show and Talk Radio AM 640. I did mention I'm going to bounce over to an email, uh, a cool one, or at least an important one before we uh, rewrap, Here I'll get to it right now. My friend he can answer this. Jason in Mississauga emailed us, help at insurance lawyer.ca. The insurance lawyer.ca says, I've been on uh, long-term disability for the past three and a half years. And now the insurance company says that there is insufficient medical proof that I've, I'm still disabled. It's basically what they're saying. They said that they will issue my payments until January 31st, and then I will be on my own. Panic has set in. What can I do?
1: Wow. Okay. Right. Uh, so they've been paying for three and a half years, which means that they are over the two-year mark. We and we the spoke the about magic this. phone call. Exactly. Yes, we, we've spoken about this before. That with long-term disability claims, for the majority of these types of, uh, of cases. Within the first two years of disability, the test is, can you do your own employment? Can you do your own job? After the two-year mark is, can you do any job for which you're suited by education, training, or experience? So it's not, can you do any job? It's, can you do any job for which you trained for uh, or educated for or have experience in? And, uh, you know, in this case, I can tell you that for three and a half years, for a year and a half past the two-year um, uh, mark... They've been paying him. Obviously, they had sufficient medical proof at that point. You and, and you can imagine that Jason is going to be very, uh, you know, very, very uh, concerned with this because he's probably uh, got, again, a mortgage or rent. Uh, he, he, need, he probably has a family. Uh, so, Jason, this is not a difficult claim to resolve. We see this a lot with long term disability insurance companies uh, who cut people off for a variety of reasons. And I call them excuses, one of which is insufficient medical proof. But funny enough is that usually I see this kind of, a, of, of an excuse coming up uh, early on in the claim. I don't see it at the three-and-a-half-year right. mark because they've, they've effectively agreed for three-and-a-half years that you are disabled. So what's changed? Now, I don't know yet here if we're dealing with a physical uh, disability, a, a psychological one, right. or a mix. Yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't expand. No, he didn't expand. And oftentimes there is some kind of, of a mixed uh, uh, disability. But I, I can tell you these claims are really not difficult to resolve Insurance companies, again, are in the business of collecting premiums and paying the least amount that they have to with claims. And to an extent, it's sort of like a game. You know, if we cut you off, are you going to walk away? Um, I mean, really, you only have a few scenarios that can happen here. Either you'll walk away when we cut you off, uh, you know, being disgruntled, but still, we save a chunk of change here. Uh, Or you're going to get a lawyer and, and, you know, we're going to resolve the claim with your lawyer. For hopefully less than what we would have paid you had we had to pay you until age 65, or we, we take the claim all the way and we try and have a judge uh, adjudicate it. Well, guess what? I, I tell you that a huge number of these claims, probably in the 95 percent uh, uh, percentile, do not go anywhere near a court. These things are resolved uh, privately. They're resolved through mediation, through a claims process because insurance companies understand at the end of the day that it's going to cost them Courts money. Courts cost money. It Courts cost money, exactly. They're not interested in that. They're interested in closing files. They're right. interested in, in their shareholders and what they're going to say. They're interested in making sure that you know, if your claim till age 65 is, is uh, worth to them $400,000 and they can close the file by paying you two hundred as an example. And done. just random Done, exactly. But it has to be done correctly. Uh, the, the, the proper medical reports have to be obtained. The mm-hmm. claim has to be structured in a certain way. And once we start it, it doesn't take a long time to resolve. Again, not complicated, but technical.
0: So give me a, maybe even a percentage. How frequently do your clients recover compensation for their injuries?
1: Well, you know, if we're dealing with a personal injury or a disability type claim, I can tell you that my clients, and that's the key phrase clients, my clients uh, recover probably 99% of the times. Oh. And the reason is this because I do, I, I select the cases that I, that I think I can help. I, I, I speak with the individual. I'm not going to drag you through a process unless I think that the chances of, of collecting at the end of the day are high. Now, I can't necessarily tell you at the beginning. The, the, the complete value, the full value, I can tell you what an injury's value that, but I don't know what else uh, You know, we're going to be claiming until we, we go through the claim. But I can tell you that it's in the 99% range. And the only reason there is a 1% that don't collect is because either somebody decided not to tell me something uh, that was right. quite key uh, or... They've done something uh, through the claim, you know that the circumstances change. So, for example, you know, like we discussed at the beginning, they uh, uh, they they are injured, but on their Facebook they start posting all these things. That, it, it, they're deadlifting. exactly, which which yeah. kind of causes you know calls into question the entire claim. Yeah. In which case, you know, I, my 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 strategy at that point uh, becomes not how much I, I can I can. Uh, get for them, but, you know, can I get the insurance company off their backs now? Yeah, because right. they're going to ask for their costs. Yeah.
0: Is there a reason not to make a claim for compensation when it comes to personal injury?
1: None. There's no, no wow. reason for that. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is that some people, it, it's rare, but some people, when I explain to them that they can co- be compensated for their injuries, they feel like they're being a bother on the system. They feel like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to be one of those people, you know, that sues and this and that. This is nonsense. If you wanna, if you wanna go ahead, you know, if you wanna give the insurance company a gift by not making a claim, by all means, keep paying. That absolutely keep paying into it. The law is there to protect you. If someone was negligent, if something happened, and someone caused you an injury, uh, if you can't work, if if you are entitled under the law to these benefits, what is the rationale for not making a claim to collect them? I mean, you're not asking for something you're not entitled to. By definition, the law is there to compensate you. Trust me, you're not going to get more than you deserve. That's very mm-hmm. th- that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, but y- y- you're certainly going to be leaving a lot of money on the table, if you, especially if you have a serious injury, if you don't make a claim or if you miss the, the, the limitation period, right? We have those limitation periods that we have to be worried about. Some people, you know, when they listen to the show, is like, oh, listen, John, uh, they call me up and say, Sivan, uh, I was injured in 1987, you know, can I make a claim here? Well, I'm sorry, but... In Ontario, we have a two year limitation period, uh, and you know if you 're injured beyond that time uh, then there 's nothing we can do for you
0: and if it 's a city thing you got to claim within ten days. Right? you have to give them notice very quickly yeah. yes okay. we 've got to about thirty seconds left. Tell people what you should do if they 're uh, thinking about calling if they 've got an injury uh, Give me a call give me
1: a call give me a, uh, uh, send me an email you 're not losing anything by doing that all, all that 's going to happen is you 're going to get information and Again, a lot of people who call me or email me do it at the behest of others, family members, friends. Mm -hmm. You got to help these people. A lot of times they don't know that they're stuck. They don't know that their claim is not going anywhere. (laughs) Give
0: me a call. The number 416-216-5910 and outside show hours anytime is help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca and also have a look at uh, mydisabilityquestions.com or myaccidentquestions.com. Maybe some answers can be answered for you before you even give them a call. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM640.